This is the London Live Podcast. Listen live weekdays from 1 to 3 on 980 CFPL. Jerry McCartney is the CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce. We had an opportunity to speak with him just a little while ago. And before we went forward on everything, the chamber had issued a news release last Thursday. And we asked Jerry for anyone who may have missed it, what did it say? Sure, Mike. Uh, so for the next 30 days, any of the uh, public gatherings or events that the Chamber had planned are, are postponed, uh, on, emphasis on postponed, not canceled. So our major uh, business awards was coming up on March 25th. That has been postponed. We're working with our partners at the Convention Centre to look for new dates. And we're going to put a 30-day clock on, so we'll reset that clock every 30 days if necessary to sort of stand back, take a look at the world, what's going on, what's new, uh, whether we're winning this battle or not, and then uh, we'll take the next 30 days as it comes along, and that's what we're encouraging everybody to do. Um, Easy to say, not panic, but that's my advice, don't panic. Um, Really, uh, hoarding is not helping anybody. If you're hoarding medical supplies, masks, uh, antiseptics, and so forth, don't do that because it's the healthcare workers that are going to be needing those products very soon if uh, if it gets worse, and that's the last thing we want is to have healthcare workers out of supplies. Uh, there is a, no doubt that the the supply side, the supply chain on the food side, uh, and paper products for that matter, is fine. There, there's an ample supply and and an open supply chain for all that material, so we need not rush out and and act crazy. Uh, trying to buy all these things because we think the world's coming to an end. So stay calm. As my 96-year-old uh, mother, still alive, advises me uh, every week, this too shall pass, and, and I'm hopeful that it will. Uh, what I would recommend for business is, and, and I'm really impressed and proud of London's com- business community for the way they've acted and reacted to this, this uh, coronavirus, uh, in shutting down a lot of things, closing down mass events, etc. And it's been more or less universal. I can't think of anything, frankly, that remains open that, that likely should have been closed. Uh, and everybody's taking a watchful look at the next 30 days to see what's going on. Uh, from a business perspective, uh, I would be looking at mitigation strategies. How do you deal with this now? And, and uh, to use your sports analogy, Mike, there's no playbook on this. <laughs> we haven't been here before. So we need to stay cool, stay calm. Uh, look at your business practices. I would really encourage people to not take the view that, look, I'm going to stop paying everything and everybody uh, until I see what the, the future looks like. If you do that, you'll virtually stop commerce. And if you stop commerce, you stop the country. Yeah, and I, that's that's got to be some kind of fine line for business owners to figure out, okay, what can I do? You know, How much am I losing out on? Because it didn't matter whether you were a restaurant or a movie theater or anything – you did see maybe a decrease in the amount of money that you brought in over the weekend. So what are businesses looking at? You know, the idea that, well, if I take a hit now, then maybe we make it back up in the future because it's not like money's going away. People just aren't using it in the same way for now. No, that's right. And I I think the first uh, concern and primary concern should be the health of your employees and the health of your customers. So Take care of that first. Take every mitigation strategy you can internally. And, and I'm not going to give advice on that. I'm not uh, an expert, certainly, in the healthcare sector. But I would strongly encourage everybody to look at the, the recent memo that came out from the Middlesex London Health Unit 
those are the things that we should be doing. Uh, watching for symptoms, making sure that we're not at work if we don't need to be, uh, cut down or curtail travel if it isn't cancelled already. Uh, all the things that they're recommending, uh, I think, are wise advice. Uh, and so first, from a health standpoint, do those things. Uh, second of all, look at, at your business strategy. If you don't have a, a, a contingency plan somewhere and you don't have reserves that you can rely on, uh, then you have to start thinking about balance. What do I take in versus what do I pay out? Uh, but critically, if we stop paying the invoices that we owe uh, for, for materials, supplies, services that we've already ordered or used, uh, you can literally put the commerce right on its back across the entire country, and that is not helpful. We're talking with the CEO of the London Chamber of Commerce, Jerry McCartney. Jerry, is that a concern that you think people have that commerce would be halted in some way or can we keep kind of the the machinations going well we hope we can there's a bit of a domino effect of course if uh, if people aren't traveling then you have people in that sector uh, either getting laid off or not getting paid and if they're not getting paid who what do they buy and how do they have purchasing power and it it just trickles down through the whole economy that's just one sector uh, there are dozens of them i unfortunately had to call a hotel uh up in Timmins to cancel some reservations for a conference we were going to. And the, la- the lady answering the phone said, yeah, I've got a dozen or more of those already, and, and I also got my layoff notice. So, hmm. you know, it impacts everybody all the way down the line. And as far as those impacts go, I mean, is it business owners looking at that and saying, well, you know, when the 30 days is up or, or whatever it happens to be, then then we'll kind of worry about where our situation sits. Do they kind of look away from the ledger for the moment? Yeah, I think it's reasonable to take a 30-day pause or two-week pause and, and not do anything radical. Just try and stay the course, uh, you know, do business as normally as you can. Uh, it may look different in 14 days. It may look different in 30 days. We don't know. We haven't been there yet. But but I would not do anything urgently right now. I think I'd just try and stay the course, protect your employees, protect your customers, uh, conduct business as normally as you possibly can. But but critically, follow the, the suggestions and guidelines of the Middlesex London Health Unit. Now, the Chamber uh, will be putting out memos to its members and hopefully to the wider business community about other mitigation strategies uh, that businesses can think about between now and, and whenever. <clears throat> but these are good pieces of advice that have been attested in other countries seem to be working. Uh, I'm optimistic that I hear good news out of uh, BC that they're working you know, on the virus and, uh, and some of its research uh, seems to be moving quite well. Whether we have a, uh, you know, a vaccine in the near future or not, who knows. But in the meantime, I think we know what we have to do. And as a country, I think we're doing a pretty good job of it. As a final thing, and I guess another sports analogy, one comes out, take one for the team. Do you think people are using that kind of an analogy right now? Yeah, I really do. Um, I, I'm getting emails, of course, from a myriad of different organizations, most of them uh, you know, corporations in the accounting world, the banking world, etc., all telling everybody what they're doing as a strategy. Uh, and it seems to mimic what we're doing as well. So hopefully that team uh, attitude is there, and, and let's hope that there isn't, you know, one or two organizations or individuals that say, ah, not to worry, I, I don't have to follow those rules, and then we end up with a problem. Jerry, thank you so much for the time today. I'm sure we'll talk again. Just remember those words of my mother. This too shall pass. And remember, she <laughs> was born right around the time the Depression was ending, it sounds like. And the Spanish flu, yeah. And the Spanish flu, okay. I love it. Okay, give us those words one more time. <clears throat> Stay calm. This too shall pass. Love it. Thanks, Jerry. Yeah, Mike.
Please welcome Paul McQueen to London Live. Paul, it's great to have you here. Why don't we start with some of the questions that you're hearing about things like portfolios and finances? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Yeah, we're getting some lots of questions about really what what does this mean for me? Um, should I make adjustments to my portfolio? And in some cases, should I get out entirely? Those are the two sort of typical questions that we're hearing. And get out entirely, is that people wanting to liquidate and put stuff under mattresses? Is that the the question that they ultimately want the answer to? There's there's a bit of that. Yeah, it's certainly about fear, really. I mean, it's about emotion. Um, you know, people are hearing reports on the news, seeing reports online, and they're seeing words like crash and plunge and, and these kinds of things. And it, and it makes people nervous. That anxiety is not a good feeling. And they just want to make sure that, frankly, the, the number one question that most investors ask is, am I going to be okay? And so how do we deal with that and how we you know, help to soothe that anxiety is really important um, and what our coaches are, are focusing on most days. I love the word soothe. That's good because we need some soothing the way that things can seem. You get reading a lot and you get listening to a lot and all of a sudden, yeah, soothing is important. So in terms of what you are telling people, what exactly do you say to kind of help them understand their own situation? Yeah, really the the, the primary answer is that you've got to focus on your long-term plan. Most of us are along for this roller coaster of, of market volatility because most of us are, are being exposed to forces we can't control. So the real job of, of our advisors, our coaches with our investors is to encourage them to stick to their long-term plan because getting out is actually a relatively easy decision, but you're going to lose right now if you do that. If you sell into a down market, you're locking in that loss. The harder decision, of course, is when to get back in. And timing that decision is really, really hard to do, and you run the risk of losing twice. You lose when you sell, and then you lose because you miss out when the markets inevitably start to recover. We're talking with Paul McQueen, Vice President of Wealth with Libro Credit Union. Looking at this from a financial angle, you and I can go back and we can remember the late 90s when the market hit, what was it, 10,000 for the first time? And and people went, I can't believe this is happening. And then we've kind of toppled that and, and kept on climbing. Is this just that other end of things that feels so much different? It's fun to celebrate wins, right? It's a whole lot harder to celebrate losses. Yeah, and now you're actually getting into some investor behavior. We, we, we actually, there, there's studies that prove we, we feel equivalent loss is much more painful than, than a similar gain. And that's a, that's a very real cognitive bias that investors have that we have to be aware of. But yeah, you're right. Markets over time tend to grow. And the up market length of those up markets tends to be longer and and a longer duration than the down markets. But the down markets can be quick, they can be painful, they can be ugly. But that cycle of up and down with a long term perspective is is what you have to balance out. You have to be focused on the long term goal and not worry so much about the curves in the road along the way. 
If you have someone who has been picturing things and and is kind of nearing that end of their goal, where they've been investing for a while, but no, no, they were they were about to you know set themselves up and and be ready to retire. What do you tell them right now if they don't really have the long term? Yeah, well, ideally it is you have the plan because even if you were to start your retirement today. You know, it's not like you take out 100% of your retirement income today. So you do need to maybe put in a bit of perspective as to what do I need to sleep at night? Do I need one month of income? Do I need six months of income? Do I need a year worth of income to feel good, you know, when I go to bed at night? You have to resist the reaction to overreact and take out everything, even if you were starting your retirement today. We're talking with Paul McQueen, Vice President of Wealth with Libro Credit Union. Paul, if we look at the markets themselves, is it possible to pause capitalism, or maybe that's too big a thing, is it possible to pause the markets for a a more extended period of time than than maybe the few hours at a time that we've seen? Yeah, the short answer to that is yes. Um, There are some built-in circuit breakers as uh, when market drops occur. Um, at various levels, and they'll put, you know, 15-minute, half-hour pauses built in to give everyone a a moment to breathe. But while extremely unusual, it's not unprecedented. I mean, the most recent example I can think of would be post-9-11 back in 2001, when they they shut markets down for five or six days at that time. Very different circumstances, obviously, but uh, it can be done, you know, and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't completely shock me if there was a temporary decision to do so. So, as a final thing, if we are sitting with investments, what would you recommend? Do you make an appointment to meet with somebody? Do you, you know, sit and wait and, and just, uh, you know, hope that the plan that you designed at the outset is is the one that carries you through all this? What would you suggest? Yeah, 100%. Ideally, your advisor has already communicated to you in some way, whether that's in person or by email or text or what have you. But if you're not feeling great right now, please contact your advisor, contact one of our coaches. We, we, we're more than happy to have those conversations. It is sometimes just getting that long-term perspective and you know, helping to adjust that, adjust that investor behavior that's really going to make the long-term difference for you. Paul, thanks so much for the time today. Happy, happy to help, Mike. Thank you. When you look at times of concern, you get people jumping up. And our next guest has done exactly that. Max Soltysiak is a student at Western and has come up with the London Volunteer Task Force, which aims to help out people in the community. Let's find out exactly how that works as Max joins us. Max, how did you even come up with this idea? Yes, absolutely. So I read a tweet about how an individual helped an elderly couple in a grocery store parking lot who were frightened to go into the grocery store. And I, along with another group of students, just wanted to help make sure that those who can't or are afraid to go to the grocery store don't have to. Uh, those who are afraid to go to the grocery stores don't have to during this time. So it was as simple as reading a tweet and then what, you got into a conversation later that day or did the idea just kind of strike you right there? Hey, you know, we're young, we can go in, no problem. How did that happen? 
So, right. So essentially, so once I read that, I started reaching out to other individuals, some of my friends and students in the community to see uh, who would be interested in helping. While we are less of a risk, there still is a risk, but we're just trying to help mitigate some of the risks for some of these more at-risk individuals uh, and trying to help them not have to go into the grocery store themselves. What was so we, I reached out to the friends and I reached out to some other people who are interested and then we popped out a website that day and uh, we're organizing from there. So, yeah. What was the reaction of some of your friends when you got in touch with them? Uh, it was very conducive, very positive. Everyone was looking to help as much as possible. So it's, uh, it's quite warming to see that people aren't letting too much get them down and uh, people are really rallying around helping their own community. We're talking with Max Seltziak, and he has organized the London Volunteer Task Force. So explain exactly what you guys envision doing for the next little while. Right. So right now, we're looking to provide non-contact, a drop-off non-contact service that mitigates some of the risk for those who can't go to the grocery store themselves, where we deliver groceries to their homes. We're looking to bridge the gap for as long as possible until an alternative is provided by some local administrations. So, And yeah. what do people have to do if they want to make use of this service? Absolutely. So what people can do is they can visit our website where the more information and everything they should need is right on there. So it's at www.londonvts.ca. And there they can see the request form for uh, groceries as well as some other links to some commercial services that are also available in the area if they prefer those. Okay. And it says it in your name, London Volunteer Task Force. So can I ask the question, how much does this cost, knowing I think I know the answer? (laughs) Correct. It it is free. So we're just asking that individuals pay the fee that's on the receipt um, from the grocery store. And that's all how that's done is all on the website. How has this gone over so far? Have you done any deliveries? Yes, so we have, and it's gone over pretty smoothly. So we're pretty happy with currently how our protocols currently work. It is still a fluid process, so if the need comes, we can adjust what we're doing. But for now, it seems to be running smoothly as the first few requests are running in. That's incredible. Max Saltesia joining us as he and some friends have started up the London Volunteer Task Force. Max saw a tweet that, you know what, there's someone who's uncomfortable going into the grocery store, whether it's because of age or whatever else. And so they've decided, hey, in we go. We'll pick up the things and drop them off. And so if this starts to get really, really busy, what's the plan there? Have you talked about that? Right. So we have a sizable group of volunteers currently, and we have a reserve list growing. We're also in contact with some other groups in the area to see if if the need comes by, if we can get some help from some local administrations. But ideally, the service is only to bridge the gap for as long as possible until a more concrete service and alternative is provided by some of the more solid local administrations in the area. Is this something that kind of comes out of what you're taking at school, or are we going to find out that you're a biology major? I, I mean, I am a biology major, but it, it seems a little disconnected from uh, what we're doing here. But yeah, <laughs> And that, that's kind of strange. I just threw it out there. You are a biology major. Yes, yeah. I'm a fourth-year undergraduate at Western, so now the year is wrapping up, but yeah. 
Well, biology major and downright amazing individual. So, hey, thanks for helping out the way you have. Thanks for telling us about it. Once again, the website is LondonVTF, which is easy to remember, .ca. So London Volunteer Task Force, LondonVTF.ca. Max, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks for being a part of our world. No worries. Thank you very much. You've been listening to the London Live Podcast. Catch the show live on weekdays from 1 to 3. 